Orthodox Journey. A missionary activity of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, working under the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia, presents The Neo-Martyrs, a podcast series exploring the lives, times and virtues of those saints who witnessed for Christ under Ottoman rule. This is The Neo-Martyrs. On the Feast of All Saints, the Apolitikion of the Feast begins with the following words. Your church is arrayed in the holy blood of your martyrs, who witness throughout the world, as though in purple and fine linen. In the persecution of the neo-martyrs, which occurred in the Ottoman Empire, our focus thus far has centred on Greece. However, the Ottoman Empire at its peak extended all the way from Austria and Crimea in the north, to Egypt and Arabia in the south. It stretched from Algeria in the west to Iraq in the east. The persecutions of Christians were not limited to the Greeks. All of the Orthodox Christians in the empire suffered at the hands of the Ottomans. In this episode, we'll take a tour around the Ottoman Empire to explore the impacts of persecution on the Orthodox Christians outside of Greece, as well as the neo-martyrs who gave their lives. Our tour will begin in Egypt, the Holy Land and the Middle East. The Orthodox Christians in these regions had already suffered from Muslim rule since the initial Arab invasions after the death of Muhammad in the 630s. By the time of the Ottoman conquest of these lands from the Egyptian Mamluks in 1516, many of the Orthodox inhabitants of these lands had already converted to Islam. Additionally, there had been many saints who were martyred for their faith during these 900 years before Ottoman rule. We do not know the names of many of these martyrs, but we do know some, such as St. Peter of Capitolias, Bacchus the New, Michael the Sabbite, the Holy 42 Martyrs of Amorium, and Christopher I, Patriarch of Antioch. This persecution continued during the Ottoman era. All of the measures which were taken against the Greek Orthodox Christians, the extra taxes, the kidnapping of children, the interventions into the governance of the church, were also applied to the Christians of Egypt, the Holy Land, and the Middle East. But there were other difficulties they faced that were not so prevalent in Greece, Asia Minor, and Anatolia. For example, the intervention of the West in the region had disastrous effects when the Melkite Church abandoned communion with the Orthodox world and joined itself to Roman Catholicism in 1724. It is estimated that one-third of the Orthodox population abandoned their Orthodox beliefs as a result of this split and joined the Melkites. One saint whose life reflected faith and courage in the face of these difficult times 
is St. Joseph of Damascus. Born in 1793 in Damascus, St. Joseph was the youngest of three brothers. He was raised as an Orthodox Christian in a family of weavers. From a young age, he learnt Arabic and Greek, and his studies and love of learning were encouraged by his eldest brother, Moses. He dedicated the evening to the study of the Bible and the other holy texts. At the age of 19, his parents arranged for him to marry Mariam al Kurshi. Such was his life an example that his parish in Damascus asked the patriarch Serafim to make him their priest, and St. Joseph was ordained as a priest within one week of becoming a deacon, at age 24. He was then made an archpriest and became well known for his sermons and preaching. As an Orthodox priest and educator, he is most well known for being the director of the Patriarchal School in Damascus, beginning in 1836. This school, under the guidance and leadership of St. Joseph, rose to become the leading Orthodox theological college in the Middle East. St. Joseph was particularly passionate about theological education, as he wished to spiritually educate and enlighten the young men of his time so that they too could enter the priesthood. All of his work at the patriarchal school was without payment, demonstrating his deep love for God and separation from worldly desires. St. Joseph also reached out to people who were looking at converting to Protestantism and Catholicism, using his knowledge of the Bible to assert the truth of orthodoxy. In 1860, when the massacres targeting Christians in Damascus began, the courageous saint would jump between rooftops in order to deliver Holy Communion to the Christians, giving them hope and strength in such troubling times. One morning he was spotted and revealed as the leader of the Christians. Knowing that it was his time to depart from this world, St. Joseph partook in Holy Communion one last time, and the attackers killed him with their hatchets. St. Joseph of Damascus and the other Orthodox Christians who died in the persecution of Damascus in 1860 are commemorated on the 10th of July, which was the date of St. Joseph's martyrdom. Two of St. Joseph's faithful parishioners, a married couple named Michael and Mariam, managed to flee the persecution in Damascus. They were in Beirut when in November of 1860, Mariam gave birth to a son named Rafla. Rafla grew up to study at the Patriarchal Academy where St. Joseph had been the director, before going on to further education at Khalki and Kiev. We know Rafla today as St. Raphael of Brooklyn, who was instrumental in the establishment of the Antiochian Orthodox presence in America. He was the first bishop ordained in American soil, and at the time of his repose in 1915, served 25,000 faithful. This may have not been possible were it not for St. Joseph of Damascus, who strengthened the parents of St. Raphael in the faith, who gave direction to the academy where St. Raphael was educated, and who would have constantly been an example and inspiration to St. Raphael in his pastoral ministry. St. Joseph himself said, I planted the seed in the true vineyard of Christ, and I am waiting for the harvest. St. Raphael and many 50 church leaders who studied under him, including Patriarch Miletios of Antioch, the first Arabic-speaking hierarch in over a century, bear witness to the harvest that St. Joseph awaited.
The seeds that all the neo-martyrs planted have borne fruit for the Orthodox Church throughout the world and continue to do so. One of the other areas where the neo-martyrs were critical in preserving the Orthodox faith was in the Balkans, which is the next stop on our tour. Both Serbia and Bulgaria had their own patriarchates prior to the fall of Constantinople. While the Serbian church had some autonomy after the Battle of Smederevo in 1459, the Bulgarian one did not survive the fall of Bulgaria to the Ottomans at Trnovo in 1393. Over the years, as the Ottoman Empire expanded, the lands that now form the Patriarchate of Romania were also conquered by the Ottoman Empire. As with the Greek and Arab-speaking lands, the Balkans had its fair share of neo-martyrs during Ottoman rule. Many of the Serbian patriarchs, such as Saints Jovan, Kantul and Gavrilo, were neo-martyrs. Moving to Romania, the Brancovianu family, who were the governors of Wallachia, were also martyred at the hands of the Ottomans. In Bulgaria, there were many neo-martyrs, especially in the 18th and 19th centuries. Saints such as Saint Chrysi, also known as Saint Zlata, and Saint George the Serbian met their martyric ends in Bulgarian lands. It must also be remembered that in all these lands there were many large-scale massacres of Orthodox Christians by the Ottomans, which led to the deaths of hundreds or thousands of people at one time. The town of Batak in Bulgaria, which was part of a revolt against Ottoman rule in 1876, gave to Christ 7,000 neo-martyrs when the Ottomans mercilessly put down the revolt. If we examine the life of one saint from the Balkans, we can see the extent to which the people managed to retain their orthodoxy through their national identity in these times in much the same way as the Greeks did. This saint is Saint Avakum or Habakkuk, the deacon. The neo-martyr Avakum was born in Bosnia in 1794, and was originally named Lepoye by his Serbian parents. As a child, Lepoye entered the Mosnica monastery, which had his uncle Yanavije as the abbot, and was tonsured with the name Avakum. He was ordained a deacon at the young age of 18. After the monks of this monastery took part in a revolt, they fled to the Annunciation Monastery in Tranava, where the abbot Baisiye welcomed the refugees. In 1813, Another revolt against the Turks occurred, and the monks of Dranava played an active part. When the rebellion was defeated, the monks of the monastery were captured. 115 of the prisoners were sent to Selim and Basa in Belgrade, among whom were Abbot Baisiye, Abbot Yenavye, and Avakum. The holy deacon Avakum chanted the psalm heard in the great compline, God is with us, in the prison cell, while Abbot Baisi prayed. When Avakum finished chanting, the Ottoman soldiers took Abbot Baisi and led him to his martyrdom by impalement. When the Ottomans offered to free anyone who would convert to Islam, some of the prisoners agreed to this, including Abbot Yanavi. He thought that he would accept Islam for a while and then convert back to orthodoxy, and tried to convince his nephew to do the same. Deacon Avakum did not just refuse, but tried to persuade his uncle to change his mind and return to orthodoxy. Deacon Avakum was sentenced to death and was forced to carry the post on which he would be impaled to the place of execution at Kalamegdan. 
The Muslims rejoiced while the Christians mourned. His mother urged Deacon Avakum to embrace Islam, begging him to convert and save himself. To this, Deacon Avakum responded, There is no better faith than that of Christians. A Serb belongs to Christ. He rejoices at death. The dread judgment of God awaits for Turks as well. So do as you please. Your comeuppance is close at hand. God is the witness and his is the justice. His mother nevertheless continued to try to persuade her son to apostatize, saying that God would forgive him if he converted in these troubled times. Deacon Avakum responded, To you, mother, I owe thanks for my nursing, but no thanks for your teaching. Soon you will rejoice for your son when we come before the face of God. Death releases all from grief. At the place of execution, the Ottomans tried one last time to persuade Deacon Avakum to convert. The deacon laughed and said, Don't even Muslims eventually die? They replied, Of course they do. Well then, he said, It is all the same sooner or later. The sooner I die, the fewer sins I will have. Saint Avakum the deacon was stabbed in the heart with a sword on January the 27th, 1815, and is commemorated on December the 17th alongside his abbot, St. Paisi. One characteristic of the Neo-Martyrs that this episode has hopefully reinforced is that they stood firm in the faith throughout all the lands subjugated by the Ottoman Empire. They were not just found in Greece, Asia Minor or Cyprus. They were everywhere and inspired people everywhere. Once, some Christian elders from some villages in Albania went to the city of Berat to convert to Islam and take their communities along with them. When they were there, they saw a neomata, Saint Nicodemus of Elbasan, being beaten and tortured for his faith, yet refusing to compromise. Seeing the saint's willingness to die for his orthodox faith, they were deeply moved and returned to their villages to remain orthodox. Having neomartyrs present throughout the Ottoman Empire provided something tangible for the local Orthodox populations. It was a witness to them that it was possible to seek God first. It was a witness to them that they did not have to compromise in the face of oppression. It was a witness to the faithful that they too could reach spiritual heights, not just through martyrdom, but also through an active spiritual life and passing on their Orthodox faith and their traditions to their children and grandchildren. The neo-martyrs throughout the empire, from the Balkans to the Middle East, inspired as they were by the Holy Spirit, continue to shine forth even to this day. They are reminders of true Orthodox faith to people throughout the world. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.